1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition. Over 125 years ago, the Columbian Exposition was staged in Chicago on Lake Michigan's shoreline. Visitors from around the country and world were first introduced to many industrial technologies and commercial offerings that would shape 20th century culture. This book explores a collection of event photographs and juxtaposes them against a set of modern images to catalog the living remnants in art and architecture around the city as a legacy to the 1893 World's Fair. 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition, now available from Amazon. Audiobook version available soon. Welcome to Party Line Chat. My name is Michael Finney. Today we are joined by Alex Agut and Jack Lou. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves, please, in any order? Hey, Michael. Hey, this is Alex Agut. I am the CEO of Handcash. I'm, you know, I've been an um, entrepreneur for most of my adult life, and uh, now I'm, you know, we, I, I fell in love with Bitcoin a few years ago, and. Well, now we are doing hand kajan. It's a very exciting journey. Hey, everyone. I'm Jack. Uh, Jack Liu, CEO of RelayX. Uh, like Alex, I've been a fan of Bitcoin for many years, since about 2013. Uh, Relay is a Bitcoin wallet uh, built on Bitcoin SV. Very good. Can I get an introduction from the other guys that are hanging out today with us on PartyLine? I'm uh, Mr. Brockvond. I have the bag on my head on Twitter. Hey, Tim. Nushi here on Twitter. Yes, yeah, Evan. I'm the guy with the really hard to write and pronounce Twitter handle. That's all right. Welcome to the program. If you're just joining us, again, we have Alex and Jack to BSV entrepreneurs uh, want to shout out showers. Of course you can go to showers.com and you can vote on uh, the people that are participating our two guests. So you can use BSV to uh, encourage whichever person you think is uh, making a good point at that point in time. So let's kind of jump into where you guys are probably you have the most rubber meeting the road uh, in the same road right which i would say is for alex you've got hand cash and for jack you have relay uh what are the major differences in your approach that you guys are taking to service the hungry bitcoin sv public with your offering your software solution uh Anybody want to jump in first, or we could just flip a coin and uh, let's say... I I let Jack start. Okay, then Jack, you're first. What was the question? So the question is, tell us a little bit about how you are approaching wallets with Relay and maybe some of the strengths of the Relay wallet. Sure. Uh, We are very early stages in Bitcoin. And so we're very open-minded and we just want to make sure that uh, we are the 
bridge and the entrance point for all the users to enjoy the magic that's to come in Bitcoin. So uh, right now, you can take a look that we have really indulged ourselves with the whole development of the ecosystem. And uh, we're working with a lot of apps currently in the Relay App Store. So we think as Bitcoin grows in the next few years, uh, over time, there'll be a lot of new uh, protocols and token protocols and different apps to to add in. So we don't really want to just be a place where you hold and store your Bitcoins. We want to be a place where you use and uh, use Bitcoin in very magical ways. Alex. Um, I would say that we have a very similar approach, at least on, on that end. And, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the reason why we started Handcash was that because we actually started learning about Bitcoin and we liked the technology, the technology so much. But we found out that every product out there sucked and we had some experience with, uh, you know, building apps with great uh, user experience that were pretty simple and that people really liked. So we decided to, uh, you know, make our own version of what a, um, a Bitcoin app would look like. And that's why we started with Handcash and um, improving the user experience and making Bitcoin more accessible for both users and developers is our main focus. So let's talk a little bit more about that point that you just made. Uh, there's a strong development community in BSV. Would you guys agree? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it could be stronger, but it's coming. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, you guys have two, what I would consider two very different approaches to development. I would say that um, at least enabling the development community. So let's say Handcash uh, Connect, you know, it's somewhere around the corner. We don't know exactly when you're going to launch. I don't want to put you under the gun and say, you know, that you're going to be available on XYZ day. Yeah, don't ask me for dates. Don't ask me for dates. Okay. Uh, so no major announcements on Handcash Connect coming here exclusively on Partyland today. I see. Uh, not necessarily. No, but it's it's very close. It's very close. All right. So, uh, and then the other side of the, the, the coin with Relay is you have taken, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, overstep here, but a more uh, open platform web development sort of approach similar to what we have seen from other offerings in BSV. Uh, do you think that's true, Jack? Or is there something more along the Handcash Connect route that you are also kind of planning? Well, we think of ourselves as kind of running one of the lifeboats off of the Titanic that is the current world economy and the current structure. And we know there's a lot of developers that are dependent on us. So while we would love to build a perfect product, we kind of need to bootstrap along with the, everyone else into the ecosystem. And as that ecosystem has a greater GDP and we take a small slice of that market, we'll be able to fund ourselves to build sort of the more elite products that you expect from Apple or Tesla. So we look at today right now as kind of a bootstrap phase. And that's probably why you see a ship functions faster um, and trying to show examples to developers and future developers what's really possible with Bitcoin. And then we'll kind of um, make it all polished in the years to come. Do you think of the these two things that are juxtaposed, right? Do you think of this, and this is for both of you, this is, you know, obviously an 
an open conversation and all the other guys can jump in as they see fit as well. Do you see that as the, as these two sides of open free range development versus a walled garden type of experience? And and I am thinking of hand cash connect as, as a walled garden because it is tied in with hand cash specifically, right? Or am I misinterpreting that Alex? Just, you know, no, I mean it's tied to it's tied to hand cash accounts, yeah. But I don't isn't relay also tied to relay accounts. Certainly, it certainly is. Maybe I'm missing something there. Well, I would say that in the at least in the relay development side, what very hmm. little I have experimented with personally, uh, it is tied to the web, right? So this is being integrated. You're integrating a wallet into what you're. Uh, already existing web development is from hand cash connect. I feel like these are going to be tools that are um, built into the app or am I totally wrong about that? Is this going to be something? Oh, you're totally wrong. Okay. Hand cash connect is uh, it's in essence, it actually it's, it's all HTTP based. So it can run on any kind of device that has internet connection. So we are not tied um, I think the main difference with Money Button and Relay, etc., is that uh, as Handcash Connect is HTTP based, and that's because we use uh, TSS for signing and many other stuff, and our architecture allows for it. Uh, you can basically get this code, and it's it, it's a basic, very basic SDK, so you can implement uh, Bitcoin calls on any device that has an internet connection and can run HTTP code, which is basically anything. So it's not um, something that it's tied to the app necessarily. I mean, you don't even you you can have the Handcast Connect SDK running on a server, and you can build a bot that, that's that's scrapping tweets or something, and that can trigger some payments uh, from there. And you don't even have to install um, a Handcast app ever if you want as a developer. I mean, so yeah, I, I'm. In, in that case, I wouldn't call it a world garden. It's a world garden in the, in the sense that, yeah, we are developing this SDK. And if you want to use our SDK, you just have to approve uh, the use. And that's it. But not, nothing beyond that. Sure. All right. So that's a, I, a good distinction. Can, can I add to that? Yeah, of course. Um, hmm? Yeah, I think uh, Handcash gets a bit of a misunderstanding. I, I believe Alex is also launching Handcash for the web and also for every other platform. Um, no. So really, we might be branded a little bit differently, but um, structurally, it's it's the same mic. I do think there will be a difference in the future. Uh, our plan, I don't think we've announced anywhere else. Uh, we're going to, over the next few months, um, open source Relay 1, the wallet architecture underneath Relay, Incredible. which will allow any application to build your own wallet and native to your own app. So you can imagine an app will no longer need to say login with Money Button or login with Relay or login with Handcash. It can just log in with itself and it'll still be interoperable with all the other accounts built on top of the similar uh, open source mm -hmm. wallet infrastructure. I think those are all really important points to make because mm -hmm given how much of a download anybody has to make just to get involved with the uh, larger discussion within the BSV space, to be able to know these distinctions 
or where there aren't these distinctions and my own uh, misunderstanding of, of interpreting, you know, what some of the messaging has been, I think that's probably a, a relatively common issue. So what do you guys think is important mm -hmm. in terms of relaying or relating to people, uh, you know, how they can connect with this space and get involved. You like that sentence? Do you like what I did there? <laughs> Alex, I'll go ahead. Um, do you mean from the developer side? Uh, I would say from a user side, uh, but sure, mm. developers are users specifically. They're power yeah. users maybe. Um, so maybe you want to address both. Yeah. Well, I think we... I think there are a lot of great use cases that you can build with, with Bitcoin and micropayments, and we are still waiting for this, um, for this PayPal, for, I mean, for this eBay for PayPal moment. And I, I think it's going to just take, um, you know, some time of experimenting and doing thing, brave things like, you know, these guys from Twitch are doing or or B-Mail, or all of these companies, they are experimenting with all new, new kinds of business models. And I think it's, a, it's exactly what we need to do at this point, is we need to find out uh, great use cases that, yeah, uh, we can make the wallet as good-looking, as appealing, and easy to use, and the best onboarding ever, or maybe not even having a wallet, as Jack said, which is something like, you know, it's, it's obvious that, uh, you know, for uh, some companies want that. And you can have all of that, but if you don't have a, a great reason for actually using Bitcoin, uh, it's not going to matter. So I think it's important to uh, to reach all the kinds of developers and allow them to, to know, hey, do you know that this, this kind of website that you're building for, so people can download their icons or fonts or graphics, or video game items, or something. Hey, you can implement it with 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 Handcash Connect or Relay or Money Button, or whatever, and you can just purchase these items, and you get this kind of new economy. And for that, I I, I don't think we are that far off. You can create from having an appealing ecosystem. I think we just have to polish a couple of things, and, and but but I think essentially we have most of the pieces that we. That we actually need, except for maybe better field ramps. Jack, do you want to respond to that? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we obviously have taken a little bit broader approach than just simply making a wallet. Uh, so, unlike hand cash and money button, we've also stuck our hands into general Bitcoin development, uh, apps development, uh, running the Cambrian bootcamp. So, we have a very close idea of what developers are facing some some issues they might be having and also from my personal background in the broader cryptocurrency space you can see what's developing on ethereum what's developing on even new chains like uh, uh, solana and serum now i understand just like everyone else who's a bitcoin sv advocate that those chains do not scale but you can see from their ecosystem uh, it's kind of rather impressive actually that with such a shitty blockchain they can do so much in terms of uh, economy, ecosystems, apps that generate significant amounts of money that raise significant amount of money in the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. You haven't seen that in Bitcoin SV. So you have to ask yourself why. 
Um, I actually think that Money Button, Handcash, and Relay seems to me to be as good experience uh, as a lot of the wallets on the other uh, ecosystems. It's more like there Hmm. are missing applications. Uh, There are missing power uh, in Bitcoin. So a lot has been made of the Genesis upgrade, but I still don't see a very mature uh, token ecosystem. I think we are the first wallet to have added that. I think that will be a critical infrastructure piece to see um, that uh, eBay use case that Alex is talking about. Okay, so uh, just really quickly, I just want to say, Jimmy, you're in here. You just joined in. Uh, Do you want to say hello? So people can hear your voice. You over there? Hi. Hey. Hello. How's it been, this man? This is my voice. Hi. How are you doing? Welcome. Uh, Welcome back. Are you out in the forest great. still? Yeah, it's good. I am. Uh, I'm actually at at the moment. I'm in North Hollywood, oh, Los Angeles. Very good. Uh, on a on a bit of a trip, but but it's good to good to hear. Good to hear nerds talking about Bitcoin again. So glad we're, to be here. We're happy to have you in here. So we got a couple questions coming in on Periscope. I need to address. I don't want these guys to get uh, left behind out of the the conversation. So, um, from Randy, what do you think about wallets taking fees? You guys are running wallets, and you want to be profitable. What do you think about that? Yeah, from my from our side, we are not going to take fees from users. Never. Developers might be a different story. Yeah, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. Oh, if yeah, Jack. Uh, where I stand is it's a rounding error to take fees right now. So it would cost us more development time to take fees uh, and be a pain in the ass for app developers than it would to make money right now. Uh, when we that might... changes, that sure. could change. We we might in the future add some fees for um, for some um, payment requests and things like, but but that, but not for micro payments. All right. Uh, there's another question, and hopefully, uh, Randy, hopefully that kind of gets at things for you. Um, that, that's Randy of Twitch, right? I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think those guys they think that if we take fees uh, on the wallet. Part, that somehow these walls would be better today, uh, and that might be true long term, but I don't think that's true right now. There's if any... if, if we I don't know we we've made the number we run the numbers and even if you add Randy has if an you immediate add a signif- response to that. <laughs> if, if you <laughs> if you add a significant amount or um, of fees to micro payments in a way that you know makes sense for a company, uh, you know you you. You're killing the micropayments use case, and if you add fees too low, you need huge volume. That you know, at the time we don't have that kind of volume, and it, it just doesn't make sense right now. So uh, the rebuttal here from Randy and Randy, you have access to this channel. You can pop in if you want. Uh, then how do you plan to make money if open source, Jack? Fair question. Oh, I think we'll probably be still a very dominant implementation on top of that. Uh, we also, that way, get to bypass some of the standard setting and uh, get a bigger ecosystem uh, building on top of the same structure. Uh, and obviously, we have a lot of other businesses, too. 
But I actually think right now with the ecosystem having basically only 30,000 users, uh, if we don't open it up, we might only hit 100,000 users. But if we open it up and maybe ha uh, 500 million people use their own implementations, maybe a couple hundred million people use ours. So it's really the pie growing. We we kind of feel the the exact opposite on that. Um, we are. Um, I, I agree that there are some companies that actually want to have their own kind of walled garden, and you, and they want just your infrastructure. And we are going to offer that as a service, but it's not something that we would just the, the way we are or and our principles and what do we stand for. And we wouldn't just get some code on the web and, hey, just run it on AWS or whatever. So I think we would do it super convenient through API calls, whatever, at a very low cost. And at scale, we can offer that in a way that, you know, it's cheaper than for them to actually hire a Bitcoin um, developer or a very skilled developer to actually get this open source thing and make it run on their servers. Uh, we think that approach in in our, you know, that's not the kind of service that we want to to offer, and we think that doesn't scale in in human terms. But well, that's our approach, and as I said previously, I think it's it's the uh, no at as as Jack said uh, that we are going to be more differentiating more, you know, even with money button whatever. Uh, I think it's. It's just a matter of, of trying different formulas and see what the market wants. I think there's a if we have a mic, um, uh, exciting micropayment economy, we are going to have a lot of different kind of approaches on how we offer these kind of services to companies. And some might want, sorry, some might want, um, you know, a monthly fee and just make it run on your servers and do everything for us and just give us these API calls and don't make me hire an, an expert for for this or two or three guys when when we can because we know how difficult it is to to make a very scalable wallet uh, infrastructure and and if you want to really polish it and make it very uh, great in, in terms of performance, reliability, and all this stuff, it it takes a lot of effort. Even if you have your, even if you have the code. So uh, to follow up on that, somebody asked this, and I, I think you probably already addressed this for the most part. Um, hmm. This is towards Alex. This is from Lamond on uh, Periscope. Alex says hand cash is based on HTTP, but can a user use the wallet outside of a hand cash property? Um, I think I kind of get where he's going with that, but I'm just going to let uh, you yeah, no. answer. No, they can't. They cannot. Okay. Oh, they cannot. And that's part of why we can make it run on, on every kind of device and why it will be reliable, fast, and all these kind of things. We, we, we started with with this kind of decentralized approach where you can get your account and move it to money button and from Electrum or whatever and and having a fat wallet running on user's device and, and signing on device and all this crap. And we just gave up with all these nonsense and concepts because, you know, there, there's a lot of literature in, in terms of um, computer engineering and how to make scalable 
systems. And right now we reached to a point with Handcast Connect, and that's what we wanted to reach this point before releasing, before launching. Uh, that it's just a matter of buying more hardware to to actually make it perform better. Sure. So it, it's not a it's not a software. There's no software limits for us anymore with this. It's just um, a matter of scaling. But you can see with, how with hardware people could perceive that as a walled garden from uh, we don't we, yeah we don't care i mean okay. if that makes us if that makes us different and some people think that this is a better approach because we can have a more controlled ecosystem where apps work better and it's easier to set up and it's more convenient and it's cheaper because of scale so would you uh, say that you're focused on no, creating a unified experience more yeah. than you so, are trying to create um interoperability and all that crap yeah for you know any bitcoin usage that people might see you're not necessarily going to stop people from sending their bitcoin off of hand cash no they choose to no 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 but we never know on the that's... hand cash connect network that's all kind of going to be uh stitched together pretty tightly yeah yeah we want to have a very cohesive ecosystem and things that happen smoothly and whatever inside of the ecosystem and of course, we want to still have you know a way of sending the money out of hand cash and all that stuff. But the more legacy stuff that we get rid of, and all this kind of legacy stuff that oh, it's it's just a nightmare. We, we've had many many issues in in these three years that we've uh, been working on Bitcoin, and there's many preconceived notions of people that you know that obviously they don't they are not building a wallet, and they don't know some of the the. the they they haven't haven't been in our in our side and have experienced some of they haven't read the support emails that we get or the nasty reviews that we get sure. uh, at some point uh, and you gotta serve your community we just first. had to go with huh? you have to serve your community first yeah and it's not just our community I mean uh, uh, we when we started handcash it was the first MVP especially we was we were like. You know, uh, even if, uh, you know, we, we launch this MVP, let's get some feedback. Let's learn about this Bitcoin stuff and see how we can make it better. And even if, the, you know, if the next iteration is going to piss off a lot of be uh, true hardcore Bitcoiners and they uh, don't want to use handcash anymore, we don't give a shit. And we've been <laughs> with that approach uh, on every statement. major, we, we've been doing it in every major release. And, you know, we, we trust that we, if we make a great product, it's going to be a great product. We are not making a great product for Bitcoiners. We're making a great product that everybody can use. And if we can access, and if the way for accessing 6 billion people out there or 7 billion people out there is, uh, means that we have to piss off 20,000 Bitcoiners now, we will. Bold. That's our. I think that's our place here. I mean, uh, if we wanted to create more sameness and be one of the other ten thousand wallets out there of crypto bullshit and multicoin and all that crap, we would. But that's you know, I, I would rather be planting tomatoes or whatever. Okay, so I'm working on Bitcoin. Another follow up, uh, and this is for anybody that wants to answer it. Uh, do you think? And this is from River. Do you think that makes Handcash uh, custodial, particularly no, it's if it's keyless? Nope. 
No, it's not. Because you can always exit. Oh, we can't. What's that? No, we can't. Who That's knows? the whole point of using Threshold Signatures and another company and this other contract with the other company. Mike and- is saying you're free to exit and move your fans, uh, move your funds off of Handcash. Uh, Alex, I think, is saying that... Uh, Oh, what? He cannot exist. Sorry, can you repeat two different things? Oh, yeah. The the clarification was that uh, you're not locked into Handcash because you can choose to at any point take your funds mm-hmm. off of Handcash. Yeah, so exactly. You're not locked into it uh, when you start using it. Now, mm-hmm. um, exactly. Now, here's another question. Uh, well, maybe not so much a question. People commenting that makes things seem like Visa or MasterCard. And I think that you might say like, yeah, you know, that's that's okay to be uh, trying to uh, pursue that level of market penetration. I don't think it works like anyway, but if they think it does, you know, uh I would settle for becoming the visa of Bitcoin. So, hmm. yeah. uh, what happens if hand cash goes out of business? Then it goes out of business. Yeah. Un- unfortunate for the service. I will start any of my other companies. I don't know. Right. Well, for you, what if, um, you know, the folks that build on connect, uh, how will they be able to, um, interface with the web or their clients should you guys not keep yeah. doing it? how do they plug in right to be honest we never thought about that because thankfully we have enough money for for a while and we're very positive about what we are doing and you know if something goes wrong then we will figure out you know what to do with the most responsible way but it's not in our mindset right now just sure. to That's think that this is going to right it's going to end anytime soon uh, I want to pull the other guys in here because they're hanging out and I'm sure they have questions and are interested um, in, in having some access to chat with you guys. So what do you, what do you think folks? Tim, Evan, Jimmy, Brian, you're all here. And I've been speaking for a while. I'm sorry, Jack. It's okay. Or even Jack is welcome to make a response about what you've been talking about. I think that because we put the two of you together, I do think that um, you know it's a fair fair question to to ask Jack the same thing in terms of relay and uh, you know the slider and and the wallet that he's developing. Look, I can see just from knowing Alex and his timeline, he's got a great admiration for obviously Tesla for Apple. And there are good examples of what he's talking about, which is the uh, vertical integrated amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people prefer the iPhone over the Android. Um, I think in Bitcoin it's slightly different, but I I can see where it can be very profitable to run that way. Um, I'm not sure right now is the right time for that strategy. Obviously, I also have a lot of great respect for Steve Jobs and, and the like. So I wouldn't. Uh, pigeonhole either company into a certain approach. I will just ask questions like, well, what if an Iranian wanted to use Bitcoin? Clearly, I don't think Handcash would allow that. What if uh, someone wanted to use 
uh, handcash for Peer Game, which is a gambling app. Uh, I'm not sure if governments are going to be good with that. So one of the trade-offs you have with handcash having the keys and having a more centralized approach is you will come back to the case of certain apps not being allowed to be used, etc. And maybe our implementation of Relay on top of an open source Relay 1, we might be restricted to, but there is other companies who can build on top of the uh, uh, open source wall infrastructure that can service different kinds of needs. Right. So these are problems that I think we have not worked through. Mm. I would agree with that. I think that's uh, very fair, mm. and it's in line with some thinking that I have as, as far as jurisdiction goes and forking and, um, you know, realistically having just only an open source wallet solution might not be enough. Should a country decide to legislate and, um, I mean, hand catch is based in Spain, right? Alex is, is the Spanish government okay with, uh, users playing pure game? No. Uh, right? Yeah. At the time, we don't have any any inconvenience with that. And also, you know, um, we are, we don't have the keys of users. I mean, we have partial. We ourselves have partial keys, as we have we've been having for over a year now. But we are not custodial. So anyway, there's yeah. Uh, I I understand your point, and but you also know that the um, right now regulations is you know are. It's not that clearly defined what a wallet is and what what's the difference between a custodial wallet and a non-custodial wallet. So it depends on a lot of depending on regulations and also if that applies because the definition of virtual currency itself varies a lot from country to country. So that's something that we took in mind when building Connect in a way that uh, we are trying to have this approach of, okay, um, we are... We think we are building something that's new enough, so the regulation might not be mm, specifically clear in every legislation, but we are taking a, a very safe approach of, okay, we have every um, user is registered with a phone number and a verified email address too. Um, so we think we are taking a very... Um, friendly approach in case something happens wherever we are going to talk with regulators we are going to fix whatever needs to be fixed but i mean we we cannot be accused of being hiding um, of or, or facilitating people doing illegal transfers because one is against our terms and conditions we can terminate any account at any point if something like that happens and we have all the records and we have everything of uh, of Everything that happens inside the app, which is something that we didn't have when back in the beta account, when we, uh, when the beta wallet, where we were super decentralized, we didn't even know what was going on with the, um, <laughs> with the user accounts, and it was such a mess. So I think you know the regulation will come. Uh, you don't have uh, if you see the story of companies like Bird or. Uber or Airbnb, they were not waiting for regulation to be uh, ready because it was something that didn't exist. So we didn't need a, a regulation. Regulation follows innovation. And we are 
you know, um, doing the same approach. We are doing it in a very safe way. We are trying to be as, as transparent as possible and as law obedient as possible. But, uh, yeah, there might be some greer areas and we are going to be very open about what we are doing. Do you think that that is um, going to allow you to continue to have one app experience going forward? Or do you think you're going to have to kind of um, develop versions of your app with different functionality and uh, lower levels of interoperability for users across borders in time? Um, the app itself is going to keep being very basic and essential, and we don't we don't expect to have to have different flavors for different countries. At least not not at this point. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm with you there. I mean, we already kind of see that happening with other apps as they try to comply uh, with with regulations and different rules in places. I mean, we could, th theory, for example, this is another example. Yeah, we could have another kind of flavor for Australia, for example. In Australia, we could be fully custodial and, um, and we wouldn't need any extra regulation because on the way that they define what is a virtual currency and many other stuff, we could be custodial there. The problem is that, yeah, it also has a developing uh, development cost and also... Um, being custodial is, uh, you, ideally you don't want to be in that position. It's much better to be non-custodial for many, for many reasons and also for upcoming regulations. So I think it would be a headache to have many flavors of this. We are, at the, again, at the time we don't see the need to actually do it. If we have to, we might have to consider, you know, what we do or, if, imagine if we would have to have a. This is the example we have with, with China, for example. We uh, hand cash is not is not available in China, and we don't have Chinese users, as far as I know, because the the app stores don't allow us to to publish the apps there. They at least they told us that you know crypto apps are forbidden here in the app store in the app store in China, whatever. So we cannot, and we are not going to offer it through an APK or uh, we, we are not going to enter that, that, that arena. We want to, you know, if China doesn't want handcast to be there, we won't be there. That's, well, we, it, we are trying to play it safe. What if an app, right? What if an mm -hmm. app, because like you said, Money Bun is clunky. Let's say you think Relay is clunky and they just love hand cash. Are they supposed to I do never said the Chinese that. market? Well, he's just postulating. Don't, don't put things in mind. Uh, he's just hypothetical. He's just saying hypothetically. I'm saying, assuming Handcatch is a million times better than Moneybun or Relay, um, would this app developer still need to add Moneybun or Relay just to enter the Chinese market? I oh, guess so. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I see, what I see what you're saying here. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Good thing there's that wallet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's a good thing there's dot wallet. <laughs> no, I mean we would actually we would love to be in China, but we don't want to run into issues with the Chinese government or yeah. It's not the kind of situation we want to be in. I mean we are 
even if we were, you know, a pretty good company in in Spain and we had like half a million users, you know, that's that's pretty good. So if you, uh, you know, we have users all over the world except for, you know, some exceptions like uh, you said, uh, Iran and China and I, don't, I think it's North Korea and maybe a couple more. But I mean, we we can sell with that. Um. So we got another question. This one's for Alex. Uh, this is from Randy for you, Alex. Hey, Randy. How many users does Handcash have? You know, if you're comfortable. We are not sharing that kind of information. No. So it's over a million. No. <laughs> Approach. <laughs> um, Give or take. What about uh, daily active users? How about that one? No, we don't. We don't share that. When are we gonna find out? Uh, probably never. Never. Jeez. All right. Well, I why mean, is that considered anybody's business? For sure. Just out of curiosity. It isn't. They're they're just trying to pry information out. Of we it. are no. We <laughs> are. You know, we disclose this information to to investors and all that. But it's not something that we 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 don't want to enter a public battle of who has more or less users or whatever because. Who cares if, you know, if Bitcoin doesn't matter, who cares if we have uh, 50,000 users or 10,000 or 500 or whatever? I mean, it's, it's meaningless. If we had like, you know, 2 billion users, maybe we would advertise it, but it doesn't make any difference at this point. And again, we don't want to enter this... You know, like, oh, but you register with money button and you get this ID that's in numerical order and you are the 28,000 or whatever. So we, we, here's we don't a, care. Here's a point to make to the both of you. Uh, where do you see BSV within the... It's, it's obviously like a, a, a top-tier coin in terms of market cap, but how do you see it fitting in uh, with those other top tier coins, right? Do you think well, that it is emerging? Do you think it has arrived? Uh, do you think it's in its infancy comparatively? Well, I think uh, let's, let's look at some user numbers that have been published in the rest of the ecosystem. Coinbase, major US-based and Western Europe-based uh, exchange, Cites 35 million people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase. Okay, there and on the non-custodial side, like real non-custodial, not uh, two-party non-custodial. The MetaMask wallet on Ethereum has one million daily active users. They reached that number at the peak of this DeFi boom, well, so far peak in September. And they reached 1 million registered users uh, in February of this year. So if you look at comparatively speaking, uh, the multiple of Ethereum market cap, I think is about 12x BSV right now, maybe 11. BTC is maybe 75 to 80x. But the user base numbers uh, for something like a MetaMask is probably around the same as 50,000, maybe 20,000 people in BSV. So it's 50 X actually uh, a MetaMask versus number of users in BSV. So for as much as there's talk about on-chain usage and things like this, there's just a lot more on-chain usage on uh, Ethereum in terms of real applications. 
And I think that's part, part of the criticism being targeted on Bitcoin apps, saying that this is a bunch of weather data, air pollution data, stress testing, wash data, etc. Um, and I really think the token explosion on Bitcoin SV will help show how Bitcoin is better than something like an Ethereum. And the competition is going to be pretty fierce. My take on this is that, but this is my personal take. And well, I think most of my team thinks the same is that, yeah, imagine MetaMask or whatever. You said they have 1 million users. Uh, it's totally irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. I mean, it hasn't changed anything. Uh, it hasn't advanced anything for um, for a new economy. It hasn't moved the needle at all, even with 1 million users. I'm and not we saying probably won't by 1 million users. Okay? Yeah, I know. I think they're capped at 1 million because the Ethereum chain doesn't scale. I, if I know, the Ethereum I know. chain could scale, they'd have 100 million users. I know, I know, probably. I don't know. But even if they have 100 million users, well, no, <laughs> they have a million, 100 million users, that's something. No, but I was going to say that uh, so far we haven't seen... Uh, value proposition of why all of these crap that we're building matters. We haven't. We haven't seen one particular use case where, okay, this changes things. We will. I am I, sure that we will. And probably it will happen in BSV. But I think all of those numbers on how many gamblers you have on Coinbase or whatever are totally meaningless. And maybe are even distorting the reality of what we're building. And even even if you look at coin market cap, you know I, I was advocating um, naively. Uh, I have to admit that I was a little bit naive uh, months ago. That when 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 exchanges were delisting BSV, I was like, "Oh, this is a win for BSV. We don't want to be there in coin market cap or whatever." And well, kind of turns out that. Uh, many companies right now are, you know, depending on on that price. So even even though it's distorting and it, it's totally meaningless for for us or for the long term vision, for the short term, there are many people depending on the price of that thing. But I don't know. I don't follow those things. I don't know the metrics of if we are the f number six or number twenty five on Coin Market Cap, and I couldn't care less because I, I don't see that any of those other projects or networks or whatever you want to call it doing anything anything meaningful at all. I only see people desperate to make money and people trying to profit from those desperate people and that's all I see in crypto. And it's it's very sad. Uh, at least that's but but again that's my perception and you know I could be totally wrong with this. But I, I, the thing is, uh, we are focused on building something that makes sense by its own, by uh, by itself, without having to rely on, on making it. You know, comparing with whatever um, crypto kitties or whatever they're building on, on Ethereum, or we don't want to snatch developers from Ethereum because they are also super contaminated with all that crap. And I, I'm fearful that all this token explosion, as Jack said, will only bring mo the next wave of ICOs and bullshit to BSV and not produce any anything of value and we, we start changing our, fo our focus from actually building things that matter or keep experimenting on, on until we find 
um, we find a, a few formulas that actually work with this technology, and we start, you know, falling for for the quick buck on on gambling. And I, you guys don't know, you guys don't understand how the the, the amount of distaste that I have for for that. That's fair. I think there's space for all of the different things that people want to explore. Um, sure. And, it, and it's unavoidable that if we have some success that you are going to have people scamming other people. With, that, that, that's unavoidable. It's going to happen. Yeah. I just hope that, that people don't Fundamentally, get what is these. the difference? Oh, we need, we need tokens. What? So, so Alex, you're saying yeah. you're not going to have tokens in the next three or six months? No, I haven't said that. Okay, so what what are you going to limit people how they're going to use tokens in Handcash? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, if I do a Crypto Kitties, you're not going to allow that? Um, I'm not going to talk about details on what we are going to do with tokens. No, but you seem very passionate about making sure this casino thing doesn't come over into BSV. Yeah. No, I just say that it's going to come in un- unavoidably and it's going to come and, you know, we are not going to take part in that, on the gambling side. If we add tokens to handcast, it's going to be in a way that we think it makes sense for developers and it makes sense for building great stuff. But we are not going to just try to make a quick buck by becoming a multi-coin ICO casino. We are not. I mean, we, we have many other companies to actually do that and that we'll be glad to actually have all sorts of tokens and Crypto kitties and stuff. We we don't want to be there because we saw that it hasn't moved the needle in any of the other chains. And it, maybe you're moving, right, and it, maybe it's just a matter needle, of though, in that sense. Moving, because, the, like, moving the needle is making something that's meaningful for for the world and actually changes the game of, of money. And oh, well, do okay, you have to change so, the game. Say you want to introduce an NFT. Um, is that is that enough of a usage of BSV to you? I mean, where do you draw that line? That doesn't seem like gambling to me, Alex. I mean, people who buy Pokemon cards on eBay, they are. Well, how is that different than buying NFTs on chain? You are speculating on the what, appreciation what do you mean by of, NFTs. I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't speak that language. Sorry. Okay, so uh, NFTs non fungible tokens. Ah, non fungible tokens. Oh no, we are very interested in that. Okay. We are very, very interested in that. Where do you draw uh, that line? We think a uh, secondary though. economy. We think a very secondary, uh, secondary economy on on, on that, those kind of tokens might make sense. No, we just. I, I'm just saying that. Okay, again, I'm not against this kind of thing. I'm not this uh, against uh, non fungible like tokens as, as per se. That's your. Yeah, we don't like the gambling side, and and we don't. I mean, we don't want to support things that we think don't add any value to to the world. Okay, but that's the time. But, but, but you like Pure Game as a first app on Pure Game, huh? uh, on Handcash. Ask that again, please. But you like Pure Game as a first app, one of the first apps on Handcash. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any any issues with what hand, with what peer gaming are doing. Well, that's that's actually gambling and voluntary and whatever. It's a game, and you know what you're doing. Uh, what I don't like is that these people are like, oh no, 
if you buy this kind of democracy tokens, uh, we are going to change the world and revolutionize this. And we have this white paper. I don't like all that crap. I'm okay with gambling. I'm okay with uh, secondary markets of, of Pokemon cards or even Pokemon Pokemon's by itself for the game. I mean, I think it's it should be something cool that you could be able to tokenize exclusive Pokemons and stuff. I think that solves a lot of things for companies like Nintendo. I'm all for that. What I don't like is trying to push things that uh, that are just empty shells and you know they're just scamming people. They're, they don't have any 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 kind of substance behind it. And we don't. Uh, and actually, even if we support all these kind of tokens, you're not going to see in hand cash, um, um, you know, like a list of oh, you have this 150 different collectible tokens of 150 different companies. If we do it, it's not going to look like that. I think that model failed, and you know, uh, we can keep trying for 10 more years, but I haven't seen anything good coming from that. And. I think there are other formulas where you can you have this kind of tokens and this kind of value, but just hey, this is a token. Uh, let's call it a kitty token. And you have 500 kitty tokens. You have 300 Pokemon tokens. You have this uh, this other po- uh, token, and you have a, 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 a and you have all these. I I have seen all these these, these Ethereum apps that are full of collectible tokens and are full of data and shit and infoxication and it's all meaningless and people are not using them. People are not using them. And maybe because they are so complicated, they are not attracting new people. But again, that's my take. I could be wrong. And I hope that you guys do this, you know, add all these tokens and it goes very well. And maybe it's just a matter of the platform. Hey, maybe you're right, Jack, and maybe... You know, it's just a matter that uh, if everything that were that is running on Ethereum were on BSV, maybe we, they would have like a hundred times more users, and maybe that's the way to actually have more experiments going on and figure out the right formulas. I don't know. I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have all these answers. Uh, what I know is what uh, we we've seen many of these experiments in other chains, and we don't want to repeat what others are doing. Maybe we're wrong. That's fair. So you're both pro token, but maybe implementations are going to look a little different between hand cash and relay is what I'm hearing. Probably. I don't know. I don't know what their their implementation is going to look like, but I don't know. We I, I don't want to replicate the same same thing that we see on Ethereum. Sure, that's what it sounds like. And um, you know, to me, I think that maybe the uh, the scaling issue that occurs on Ethereum it serves these. Um, very kind of flash in the pan opportunities where people are able to take advantage and play a very quick round of musical chairs. And then, you know, obviously a lot of people end up without a chair to sit in. Hey, what's up, Randy? We see you popping in. Hey, Randy. Can we get a mic test from you? Randy. 
Let me get a mic test from you if you get a chance. So I can make sure you don't blast out too loud. Test, test, test. Yep. That'll work. You sound good, man. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to have you back. Uh, What's up, Randy? Actually, I'm going to turn you up a little bit. How do I sound? Uh, You sound good. I'm just turning you up on on the feed side so that you come through. Um, I just want to make a comment on uh, what Alex is talking about. Where I, I see where he's coming from. You see all of this, the really popular stuff on Ethereum is usually a scam, right? But yeah. if you can if you can read uh, between the lines there, there's a lot of value to be extracted from that mm-hmm. Ethereum world and yeah. a lot of cool projects um, that some... do have real use cases like Gitcoin where you can uh, submit code and get paid for it directly without having any kind of uh, middleman situation. If they use your code, mm-hmm. you get paid, stuff like that. You also mm-hmm. have... Um, tokens on bsv are going to look a lot different than to- the way tokens look like on ethereum because so. bsv allows you to uh put you know certain kinds of data and certain kinds of file types directly onto the blockchain and so mm-hmm. you can have all types of micro payments revenue sharing really really b- beautiful stuff that will flourish uh, if it gets uh, mainstream traction but really what you're trying to do here is we look at Ethereum as the experiment for scalable Bitcoin. And how fair. can we extract all of the mm. value out of Ethereum and bring it into a world where any layperson can go and use BSV and use the Bitcoin blockchain to actually earn yeah. money and earn money over time and uh, buy and sell and trade anything that they create. And that's the exciting part of yeah. tokens on Bitcoin. I, I totally agree with everything you just said. No, you can't the, totally the, agree right now. After you just took a shit on everything in Ethereum. No, I took it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that we haven't seen so far anything that moved the needle. But maybe you're uh, what I just said. I mean, Crypto Kitties that maybe you're right. Maybe the needle, you're Alex. It, it very much did. It, it's it undeniable. Did. It did at some point. It did at some point. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was because of the novelty or whatever. And maybe, and and I said, Jack, I said uh, maybe you're right, and maybe uh, those things. Uh, they haven't been. They haven't moved the needle because they haven't had enough exposure because of the the crappy network they're running on. It's not really and, about scale, Alex. But I, Jack, mm-hmm. I do get. Jack, I do get where Alex is coming from when he's. You know, he, you you look at the Ethereum landscape, and mm-hmm. the first thing that you see when you look at it from like an objective perspective is, holy shit, this is all a scam. Um, and it can <laughs> it can be kind of. Uh, um, For, or, uh, may not want to it to really find the stuff that actually has value. So I, Alex does make sense from that perspective. I, I totally agree. And I think that's what all Bitcoiners kind of agree on this idea that like, yeah, most of crypto is a scam yeah. and it's a, t- a huge turnoff, mm-hmm. uh, especially when like all your friends who had nothing to do with crypto lost all their money in, you know, 2018, <laughs> you know. I, I agree that we have to extract whatever we find from value from other and, and I'm not talking only about other chains, but other experiments that m- might be going on. Um, you know, there are many exciting things also happening uh, around uh, Lightning Network and uh, other other kind of, n- not only in this kind of networks, but also in, in banking and in open banking APIs. There are some very, very cool banking apps right now. And there are many, many things that we can learn from, from all of that. But again, the same way that you have... Mm, uh, I, I think maybe you have one great example of 
things that make kind of uh, that kind of make sense that maybe need more exposure or a better network to run. Um, but you you see but they one really, every really one hundred. They don't need more exposure. I mean, even the scams make a ton of money. I mean, what are we talking about here? Mm. If we're talking about businesses being successful and mm. users making money, I mean, these guys have hit the nail on the head with that shit. Everyone, a lot of people made a lot of money. I mean, I don't think, so what I'm saying is I don't think the number of users or the scale is the real problem there. I think that the the overall culture and the huge amount of confusion and misunderstanding and not understanding how anything works and, and, you know, the culture really comes from buying Bitcoin where it has BTC, I mean, with no utility, right? You have BTC with absolutely no utility and people buy it because they believe it will go up after they bought it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's not the same as buying a stock in Apple, which is a company that uh, really mm-hmm. innovates and produces things that we can hold in our hands and use. And yeah, but that doesn't mean that's not a reasonable analogy. Do whatever the hell you want. I agree too. If that's well, the best, say that again? I'm saying that's not an unreasonable analogy through which to view it. If that's the best approach that people have to understanding it so that they're not just thinking of it as explicitly a currency or a money and they're able to see that within this particular chain, okay, uh, this so let's, solution okay, so represents an economy. Have, no? You have, you have BTC, which uh, you think of it as a currency, right? That makes it easy to understand it. But actually, it's not a currency. I can't send a penny to you. Right. on BTC. Right. And then it's you not, think of the theory of it. Yeah, like, well, it's not, it's not necessarily a currency. It's really just a way to have digital ownership. And when you look at that, it actually starts to make a little bit of sense. You see, with Ethereum, you start to get an idea of what Bitcoin or SB potential. really means. Um, because you have, you have data and you have uh, money intertangled in such a way that it's almost, uh, you can't really <laughs> separate it. Right. And I think... Uh, so I think think that, uh, you know, uh, as a currency, you know, you go into BTC and say, oh, this is the new currency that everybody's going to use. Oh, wait, I can't actually use it as a currency. Same with Ethereum, actually. You know, the fees are just as high. So, sure. I mean, and then- you, re- you really have major, major problems over there that we don't have. And I think just all we have right now is a major opportunity Um I agree with you. And that's where you kind of run into the headbutt between an option like Bitcoin SV, uh, Bitcoin Cash versus something like the Lightning Network, a second layer trying to create these smaller economies that cannot exist on top of the chain because of the fees. Um, I I think all that's reasonable. They're solving different problems. I think we're going to see bigger problems or different, more unique problems that will need to be solved. And I'm not sure that any of the chains that we prefer currently are equipped to do that yet but we'll see yeah uh bitcoin cash is actually a pretty good example of something that almost does it it almost does it for for us you know um but at the end of the day i think that bitcoin cash's biggest problem is a culture problem they cannot separate or get away from these protocol changes and these these th- they're always thinking about protocol and they never got yeah. to the point where they were thinking about business and that's yeah. where bitcoin we just did it we just did it from the start we saw what bitcoin SV was and then we, we we started a business on it it wasn't like we were thinking about the protocol or worrying about mm. you know xyz if you can't get past protocol level you're, you're gonna always end up in the same boat as btc I think. so 
uh, Amen. for you, Randy, uh, when are we going to be able to use our hand cash wallet on Twitch? I don't know. I think you have to ask Alex. I'm not even sure how the, uh, the relationship is going to work yet. So we're going to, we're going to figure that out, but we certainly want to, uh, to integrate. Well, well, Henry might, might know a little bit more. I'm going to take a look and see about some comments here because people have been kind of going off on the chat on Periscope. I'm not seeing any questions. Just so you guys know, you can feel free to ask questions on Periscope and relay them through. Sorry, what was that? Heard somebody say something for a second. Oh, who is uh who is that? Uh let's see. Yeah. I don't know. Jack, are you still there? I'm here. So you have anything uh, any take on any of the stuff I just put out there? Well, the Ethereum stuff and this Look, I think inevitably, right? MetaMask was a pioneer in terms of non-custodial wallets that integrated with app. This happened well before Handcash with Cashport, totally. well before Money Button. Uh, Uniswap, pioneer. You know, you, you talk about DeFi having tokens. Well, Uniswap didn't have a token until a couple months ago. But for the last two years, they were doing on-chain trading. So that allows you to have non-custodial uh, exchange of assets on the Ethereum chain. I think what's happening is, like you said, we have to give credit where credit's due for some of the innovations that have happened on Ethereum. They don't scale, and people are able to uh, take advantage of the fact that it doesn't scale. So here's a narrative, right? It was supposed to be all on BTC. All of this stuff was supposed to be on BTC. And if it was all on one chain, then it could all work with one wallet or multiple wallets on the same chain. By having BTC clogged up, which was supposed to be a self-evolving network that improved itself. Look at the mining hardware. It went from CPUs to GPUs to ASICs without any user interference. But then once you clogged it, it became Ethereum, which was wrongfully sold to you as completely scalable when it's not. And now, rather than admit that Ethereum is wrong and come back to, let's say, BSV, the people who have made a lot of money on Ethereum are now uh, just making a new chain, let's say called Serum, let's say called Binance Chain and what, whatever. This is very market opportunist, etc. And those chains uh, like Solana, etc. might be scalable today, but they will also become the next Ethereum in three or four years because they're not self-evolving because it's incentivizing the people who stake those chains and people who have stake in those chains don't necessarily aren't necessarily the best people to scale those chains. Uh, whereas Bitcoin has a zero staking policy uh, I mean, Bitcoin SV. So anytime someone can come up with a better model as a miner, the chain advances without users being affected. Mm -hmm. So that means that this whole thing that's ha happen has happened mm -hmm. on Ethereum, which still requires multiple central exchanges because you still need to every day go from the Ethereum chain to the other chain to the other chain, which obviously cannot be running uh, automatically. Those automatic systems can come onto Bitcoin SV. And I think, like Randy said, you're going to see a huge explosion. I look at it less like uh, what's happened on Ethereum is a scam. I look at it more like if you have transaction fees at much lower levels, then you won't just have DeFi. You'll have D everything else. 
because everything else, the notionals aren't as big. Like you said, for NFTs, like you said, for on-chain data, those things are only possible on Bitcoin SV. So I think of Bitcoin SV as in addition to what's happened on DeFi, everything else, rather than just porting over DeFi over to BSV. Just really quickly, I want to uh, say uh, Haseeb is in here, right? You joined in. You want to say hello, introduce yourself just so people can uh, see your chat head, please. Hear me? Well, anyway, oh, anyway keep uh, going. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Jack, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think the, the, the big problem isn't is BSV capable of doing uh, what Ethereum does better than what Ethereum does, which is obviously a fact, right? We know that. Um, how do we kind of create uh, an atmosphere where it, it, because it clearly it's not just about the technology uh, for developers and for users and for all of the stuff. It's it's we have to create an atmosphere where people feel uh, welcome and want to be a part of you know developing on this and and using it. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the misconception in the developer world is like, oh, if you build it, they will come. If the technology is good, it will win, uh, and that's just not the case, right? And so the real question mm-hmm. becomes: It's like, how do we how do we you know, combat this anti-Craig, anti-Calvin uh, narrative in a way that just makes way more sense and, and so that rational people can just come in and see uh, what's real and what's fake, you know? Yeah, I think there's no secret formula. I mean, I mean, I do have the secret formula. Just make one app that makes some money. Uh, I think Twitch, obviously, look, look at what Twitch did, right? Twitch did it for data. So now after Twitch, there's Ping, there's uh, BitSV, there's all kinds of apps, right, that are built, that are similar to writing data on chain. All you need is one token application, whether it's BSV CryptoKitties or BSV something else, that takes off even to 10,000 users like Twitch has done, maybe 20,000 now for Twitch. And then you'll have all the smaller guys on Ethereum who are maybe the number seven DeFi product or the number eight CryptoKitties knockoff. Those guys will start coming over and that will inspire uh, copycats and other inspirations and it'll just start taking off. And then you'll have like token on BSE conferences and things like this. Um, I think you just need one and I think it's going to come. Um, and I do yeah. think the wallets need to get get uh, their shit together because right now with PayMail, right, it's been great. It's aligned most of the wallets in the space. I think we all use PayMail. Uh, so congrats to uh, obviously Enchain and Money Button and the teams that uh, initially adopted it. But once we go into tokens, right? Like for example, Relays launched with Run. I can't send those Run tokens to Handcash. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like BSV has forked again, because because now on the token layer it doesn't work interoperability right now. So we have to solve that. Yeah, Otherwise, this want, network effect why, that you've done why, with BSV won't need, tokens. Why do you need the token layer to be interoperable? Why do you need it? Oh, you'll see. Yeah, it'll it'll make your users money. <laughs> but yeah, I do I do agree, Jack. The biggest problem, uh, I I don't know actually if you if this is what you were totally saying, but the biggest problem is the uh, onboarding problem. It's that you can't get BSV once you get it. It's you got to get this app and you got to get that app, and you, it's really hard to log <laughs> in and all this shit. It's just a big pain in the ass. Um, but uh, you know, I but, think BSV is relatively interoperable. But I mean, like, if you get a token on Fabric, 
We're going to for sure make sure that Relay supports whatever protocol Fabric does, assuming it's open, and it better be open. Otherwise, it's a business case disaster. Um, otherwise, the token will not boom. So you compare it to Ethereum, right? So Ethereum has this thing called like Wallet Connect. Uh, even Coinbase, a major what people perceive as a centralized company, they have a uh, Coinbase wallet that runs on, I believe, uh Wallet Connect, which allows all kinds of different wallets, including MetaMask and, and other things, uh, uh, Trust Token, uh, I'm Token, all these wallets to connect on the same basis. So yes. the same way you yeah. can log in with Money Button, Handcash, and Relay, you can log into Ethereum apps with multiple wallets. So right. if there's if there's an, a wall uh, token ecosystem that's emerging on BSV, I hope that there's definitely more options than just Relay to log in with. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, people are just going to go to the one that supports the most... Uh connections like uh for example i use coinbase wallet uh as my i use my metamask uh in my coinbase wallet so i'm able to uh you know have all my crypto kitties and all that right there in my coinbase wallet even though i'm using metamask that definitely jack definitely is going to be the way or you decouple or you decouple token handling from the wallets uh no i don't i don't know i don't think so Okay. Oh, I I don't know. We'll see. Once you what Alex, once you see the the token ecosystem on BSV start to uh you know kind of blossom, that's when you'll the the connection will come. And and until but you should really use Ethereum, I think. Oh, the thing out. is we see no, I've used Ethereum. Uh Oh, this is a long story. There's one one particular story that we cannot no, no, I cannot. I think I, I cannot disclose it yet. One day I will have an NDA. <laughs> but as, but. I, I, as far as the uh, the end chain and the anti Craig problem goes, it's like no, the end chain's actions don't influence the operations of our companies because no. the, if anything, they, they make the more that they update, the the easier it becomes. They're going to get rid of the um, the limit mm-hmm. where you can only do twenty five transactions in a certain amount of time, stuff like that. You know, all all of that stuff, the protocol stuff is that's the beauty of BSV is that the protocol stuff is, isn't our problem. Um, we we have also a case study on Twitch. This guy Chad on Twitch, he's constantly talking. So his business is run on BTC and Ethereum, and they do all their payments in BTC and Ethereum. And he he is just screaming that BSV is the solution to all his company's problems, and he's talking about it constantly on Twitch lately. And I think that the the word of mouth. Um, the real advocacy for, hey, this works and it works better than anything else is growing and it will continue to uh, push this this ecosystem forward and get every new user every single day. Um, and we are seeing that on Twitch is that just the fact that it works and that it works better than everything else is a huge factor in bringing in new people. Yeah. Uh, the more success cases that we have on BSV, the more we will attract and it will go, come to a point where we will reach a tipping point where all these crack narrative won't matter because we would we will be attracting people that uh, they don't have any initial perception of of these in the in the first place Michael, where did you want to take the conversation from here? Thanks, Randy, for jumping in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I like when you guys kind of have an exchange that doesn't necessarily require 
prompts and that we're all kind of able to, to jump around. I've actually got, I've got one. Um, so Jack, yeah. I really like your take on tokens. Um, can you just talk about like, you know, start from the top on like your take on how tokens will kind of take over the BSV ecosystem or at least, uh, you know, flourish there? Yeah, there's like this super utopia of the world, uh, which I think a lot of the BSV people are very visionary people, uh, not talking about myself, talking about the user base, actually. Um, I think a lot of the user base of BSV today use BSV because they have a vision for what BSV will be, not necessarily because these apps or these walls work that well. So kudos to those users, but about 10,000 people, right? And for those people, myself included, it will be enough to just use BSV. Because we're living in some super fantasy or super nirvana of like 8 billion people using BSV only on chain. And I think that is somewhat inspired by Craig's message. And I think Craig's a systems thinker. So I think that's correct, that everything will be BSV. But in the meantime, on the transition, so we can either transition two ways, right? We can either every single person that's not currently woke and using BSV, we can all just continue using traditional share certificates. We can continue using SWIFT network for money transfer. We can continue using Western Union. And one by one, we decide to convert our life savings into using BSV. That's one way of getting BSV adopted. And I think even that way might happen. It just takes a long time. The other way is to uh, almost run like an inception kind of a uh, game on the population where you have you give people the same thing, like a mirror effect of what they're using today, but translate that asset onto the BSV blockchain without them knowing about Bitcoin. So uh, Ethereum has done a simple example of this by making a USDC token that represents USD. Um, and now people don't have to buy into whether Ethereum price is up or down. They don't have to buy into whether BSV price is up or down. And they get to use USD on the Ethereum and now the BSV chain. So Ethereum could not handle the proper tokenization of all the other assets. But Bitcoin can. So you can have a world where uh, billions of different assets from today's just uh, separate fragmented databases are migrated onto the Bitcoin SV chain. And the true believers, the current 10,000, and that number will continue to grow. Those people, if you want to, can keep on using BSV as your base currency and unit of account. But you can let people have a orderly transition uh, into a full Bitcoin system. Because even no matter what token you use on Bitcoin, you still get, in my ideal world, the same interoperability, the same low fees, the same uh, fast transactions that you do with the BSV native asset right now, which will still represent a huge improvement over, let's say, buying Tesla stock uh, on the uh, American Stock Exchange. Now Tesla stock could be on the Bitcoin SV uh platform and things like this, uh, which enable 24-7 trading, which will open uh, a lot of capital markets, etc. Not just one traditional example. So if you think about that kind of a migration, yes, that will get a lot more transactions on Bitcoin SV. That will get a lot more minor revenue. And you might have a Bitcoin price of $1,000 or $10,000. So yes, the holders of BSV are still benefit benefiting tremendously. But you see a lot more usage of the Bitcoin chain for things other than just BSV transactions. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I, I imagine a world where everything that you create on BSV is itself a token uh, and that can be traded and monetized. And every time it's shared, you make money and all of these amazing things like every single one of my Twitches 
uh, will be a token that I could literally post up for sale in some kind of future world marketplace. Uh, as in, like, hey, uh, I'll sell you this Twitch and all the revenue it earns in the future will be yours or something like that. I'll sell it to you for now for 10 bucks. And then, you know, maybe you'll make 11 bucks over the course of the next 11 months, you know, something like that, but not just twitches. You can have anything. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be for everything. It'll be for everything. Everything that you publish to the internet will be able to buy, sell and send to somebody else and transfer ownership that way. That sounds reasonable. Um, I always think about uh, like authentication, right? And like certificates of authentication and how that can work on blockchains to verify a, a real world or physical thing. And I think that we are physical things. So being able to cross that, that divide between those two things is, is kind of important, particularly when we see uh, so much occurring to falsify information or quality of products and things like that. I think that might be a, a good use case too. And that's a, an extension of tokenization to me. I'm not certain how that works, but be interested to hear what your, all of your thoughts are on that. Sorry, Michael, can you make that point again? So how do you see going from digital authentication, right, uh, into the into the physical world to make sure that we have, like, certificates of authenticity for physical goods reaching into, uh, you know, BSV or blockchains in general? I, I'm kind of interested in that. I, I think, think that we can talk that in a few years because the – the uh, friction is so much lower for pure digital things. Sure. Like crypto kitties is easier to do on Bitcoin than I, I believe I saw, saw an idea actually called like forever, like, like a fur, like cats fur forever. We can like actually tag your dogs and cats and animal, real world physical animals and have a, like if you lose your dog, you have a collar and then you can scan their code and see who the owner belongs to as such a, like, I just think the pure digital world, uh, uh, Product and is easier to build than yeah. and get adopted today. Quick, quick I, I agree. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. But what if I take my? I'm sorry, but what if I take? Uh, what if someone takes the collar off my dog? I don't know exactly. That's what I'm saying. You have yeah. things that are off chain going on. Well, you know what I mean. You could chip That's too dog. hard. You could chip. I think dog. maybe maybe an easier example would be something like. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, quick, quick, quick question, Mike. If you chip your dog, <laughs> uh, that's not safe from an EMP attack, right? Well, I'm just you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, we, Brian, just we don't have a solution right now for that, right? That's the problem. But I think that maybe an easier example than a cat or a dog would be like a, a, a university degree, right? Your degree is yours, and somehow that's associated with your digital profiles all over the internet, and people know that it's real because it's authenticated by the university. That it's so that would, be like the, that would be like the university, and you have a multi-sig agreement on the degree, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't okay. know. And then so you make a comment when you're in high school and then the university finds it after they give you the degree, then they, they can revoke your degree or is maybe that, it takes or both. the multi sig 
does the multi-sig like protect against university? Well, it's on chain, so right, you, you'll have you'll always have the proof that it was given that to it did you. Occur, and, right? Yeah, the revocation. What, what if you're like Joe Biden and you lie about your degrees? Right. So, the, the, or Craig Craig Wright, right? <laughs> I don't I don't care about Craig Wright's degrees. <laughs> yeah, no. I just think I, that's I, a I, very bad example, Mandy, because. The reason you only get one degree per life right now, or you can get a master's and a PhD, I guess, is because uh, it costs a lot of money to issue that degree. Once it costs very little, you can just take an online course, and then you got something marked on the chain of you having taken that course. So you have so many different uh, many, many degrees on the blockchain that you won't need this official degree anymore from the university. So I think, again, this is my rant, rant against enterprise adoption, is that the the what it what it will look like when it comes to BSV is far different than what it looks like today. So just taking the existing business or existing uh, institution and putting it on chain is kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Wait, but you, but just real quick though, you don't think like CompTIA, CompTIA putting their certificates on chain? Like, I think I think that's really interesting. Why? Um, because if you want if you want to have a provable certificate um, and you know we're we're concerned about like like I could see uh, a CompTIA certificate for you being just a non-fungible token that you have that you can prove that you did something to achieve the CompTIA certification if that matters to you but you don't think that'll even work like long term like you think that like as time goes on I think I agree with you uh, colleges, universities will become, I don't want to say obsolete, but like so affordable or just paid for by the government, so worthless, um, that you'll have this like alternative degree, uh, degree program. the path of adoption, right? I'm not talking, I'm not making a judgment on colleges or universities. I'm saying that they will be compelled to put that stuff on chain because a thousand other things related in that field has already been put on chain and that. I got you. That's when They'll they will be, be pressured into to do it. it. Mm. Yeah. But if you go have a meeting with them, I don't care who you know, you, you can loan Larry Summers from Harvard. You're not going to get that on chain right now. It's just the wrong path of adoption. No, I agree. I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. They're not incentivized to, to do that. There's not enough of a, of an ecosystem asking for that verification today. Um, Mm -hmm. but maybe that comes out of the development community specifically as people seek to utilize accredited developers or people that can actually point back at their experience, whether it is through a university or just your, um, own projects, the people that have been working to build Twitch and build hand cash and build relay and, uh, you know, I would assume float SV and instrumentity by extension, you know, they're going to want to be able to point at those things um, and say, look, I worked on this. Even if those projects don't exist, being able to, uh, you know, say that it, it is your work at such and such point on the chain that people can go back to that transaction and look, being able to put a signature. Didn't Harry on, say he was yep, going to start uh, t- uh, putting tokenizing his GitHub commits on chain? Uh, yeah, Harry, the lead developer of Twitch, Gitcoin or something on there, something. Randy, what? Gitcoin. 
Gitcoin or Harry's? is Harry going to put his git commits on chain? Oh, he's already doing it. Twitch dash dev, Twitch space dev on Twitch. I'll get you their number. But yeah, I I really don't like the the conversation around like physical tokenization, certification, all that stuff because it's boring and it's not what we're really trying to solve for right now. <laughs> what we're trying to solve for right now is boring. how do we take over? How do we do Ethereum better, basically, uh, and in a way that actually makes sense, where every user has profit potential, um, every artist you know makes good money, things like this. The reasons why people use Ethereum in the first place, uh, we can do that a lot better, and we can we can have a lot more uh, of an economy it's also, there. It's also a nest of SJWs, so I think it needs to be eliminated. However possible. <laughs> do you want right, Ethereum well, to keep breaking? Isn't that advantageous? It needs to die. It needs to die. If it keeps breaking up and up and up into greater uh, stratospheric uh, evaluations or even functionality, isn't that a good test for BSV? Isn't that a good illustration of a of a path to go, Randy? When you're talking about digital stuff, so maybe maybe eliminating Ethereum isn't the goal and maybe the goal is to allow it to keep breaking so that you can see where to go. Sure. Yeah. I didn't say that we're here to destroy anything. We're not, we're here to create stuff, right? No, Ethereum is going to get better, not break more. It's going to get better. Okay. What I mean by better is it's going to get cheaper fee wise when they upgrade to Ethereum 2.0, obviously nothing compared to BSV, but I think you can't just bank on Ethereum dying on its own, you have to go kill it. You have to build something 100x better than Ethereum. Can't just sit around and be like, ha ha ha, Ethereum's a scam, just let's just wait. That, that's, that strategy's not going to work. You've been already waiting for three, four years. Ethereum 2.0. Very funny, I th- Jack. <laughs> I, think, I think many people in Bitcoin have this. Can you hear me? Yeah. We got gotcha. you. I think many people in Bitcoin have this this kind of approach as you know. Oh, we already won. We already won because this works. Hey, the rest of people are not. You know, the rest of the world is not doing nothing. Okay, they're not sitting on their laurels or something. And one day we will wake up and we will have uh, Lightning micropayments running on tw- um, Twitter. And that's going to happen overnight, and because you know they, that's their goal, and they have the the technology to actually do it, and those kind of things are going to happen. So we have it's to really be. Not their goal. Uh, well, a lot of people. One of, a lot of people I would say that's one of their goals. Facebook, no, the, a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook want to be treated mm-hmm. like a customer, so that Twitter and Facebook can't just control the things that they're allowed to say and not allowed to say. People mm-hmm. want to pay for these services now. There's a reason why they're not doing it. Uh, what Twitter yeah. really plans to do is to Twitter's plan is to decentralize the protocols so much so that you can spin up your own instance, similar to Mastodon, similar to Twitch, uh, and then they don't have to be the guys who curate what's allowed and what's not allowed. And they say that, and I think that's a lot of posturing and not a lot of actual action. I would agree with that. Uh, I think that it's it's a really easy thing for them to state. And it's a much more difficult thing for them to implement, and whether or not they're... it's also. It's I also, don't think they'll has, do that. I don't think. I think, they'll, I think they'll go to like paid services. I would question if like it's if genuine. you want to add free, uh, if you want to add free Twitter, 
here, uh, you know, two dollars a month. Right. You know, if you want, well, they can't. They can't do either of those really because one, the the main value proposition of Twitter is their network effect, and they certainly don't want to break that up. And then the second thing is is that if they charge, that gives the user some kind of say in the way in which their service is provided, and they don't want that either because they're uh, the people who actually own Twitter and uh, the people who own Facebook. They're they're highly influenced. Um, and they're, they're, they they want to be as influential as they possibly can. It's just not, it's just not a feasible idea, and that's why we have such a great opportunity here. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, Alex, I I, I want to know because um, Connect's launching soon. What you guys have mm-hmm. obviously you're the one who built it, so you've played around with. I've seen demos of like uh, some uh, pew pew or some really. F- fast sending transaction things. What do you expect to be the biggest difference or the biggest explosion that will happen as a result of Handcash Connect launching in the early few months uh, that we haven't seen before in Bitcoin? What's, what excites you? Mm, we are very excited about, uh, especially that you are not tied to creating things for the web browser. That's something pretty cool. And uh, another thing that is very interesting is that uh, this is the case you can build your basically your own business wallet and you don't even have to have users or whatever to use it so once people actually realize that right now people are very um, contaminated to say it some uh, somehow uh, about what's already out there so they might not realize many of the use cases that you have with with connect also we are going to um, as we as we are cash oriented, we are going to specialize on, on some, uh, let's say, advanced payment solutions that are very difficult to construct if you have to build your own scripts with Bitcoin, etc. So there are many of these use cases that we think are going to be very cool for for any kind of developer and you know we will open up for new capabilities uh, by using connect uh, allowing them for you know they're it's compatible with unity it's compatible with uh, you know running on any um, uh, node.js server or ruby or or we will have uh, very cool plugins for for flutter for example so ultimately i think it's uh, the two things is, going, is that it's going to be very accessible and it's going to give them freedom to actually create uh, whatever thing they want in any platform they want. I think it's very flexible and it's kind of cool that you are not tied to the to, to actually be in a web browser and have to sign the transactions through the web browser and all that stuff. I think it's quite cool. You're, you're a big gamer, right, Alex? Uh, kind of. I used to be more of a gamer uh, years ago, but yeah, I still play. Sometimes. Do you think that's a Do you think that's a vertical that will be very powerful for Handcash Connect because of the fast payments and stuff? I would like to. I would like it too, but uh, you know, nothing's granted. This one of uh, is one of the targets that we have in mind, uh, and you know, we we are we are going we are actively doing things uh, in in that regard. We have some companies that you know just want to see this a little bit more mature but are bigger companies than than currently uh, existing in bsv but we've been talking with them showing them demos and they're pretty interested in this kind of thing 
uh, I think uh, Bitcoin will be great for for gaming generally. I, I yeah, I used to um, play a little Fortnite, and one of the <laughs> things I thought would have been really cool on Fortnite, well, well, this just there's a couple of really great use cases for Bitcoin in Fortnite. You have one is they they distribute um, rare items, so so like mm -hmm. digital digital goods that people pay yeah. real real money for. Um, mm -hmm. But those people actually don't own those goods once they get them. They have no idea how many of those goods are issued. The the company reissues yeah. a lot of them. You can't send them to your friends. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and you know, you you just don't have any real ownership of those digital goods, and you have no real understanding yeah. of the sca true scarcity and the true value of those goods because there's yeah. no real market for them. So that's one one place where like clearly video games are going in this direction of digital goods yeah. and clearly there's a use case for uh, digital yeah. ownership there and then mm -hmm. the other thing that i thought would be really cool would be to have pay to play games so in in fortnite it's a battle royale so you've got 100 players they all come in and only one of one player or one team ends up as the winner of the battle yeah. royale so imagine if you could pay 10 cents <laughs> per person yeah. right to join that lobby and then yeah. all of a sudden, it's a paid lobby, and things are real. Yeah. And it, you know, you can imagine a hundred dollar lobby. You can, yeah. but in any case, it's no longer some useless, unproductive pastime, but a way for people who are good at something yeah. to really earn a living off of something like this. And yeah. and I, that is I, certainly the future of how Bitcoin and video games. Uh, I I totally agree on I totally agree on that. But take this example. Um, we. We are very aware of the kind of things we are building because we don't want to actually cause more damage than, than good. And by this, I mean, um, especially in the, first, in the first iterations of this, we have to be very aware of the dopamine effect. And it, this is something that uh, our team is very cautious about, the kind of things we implement. Because um, dopamine is is one of the strongest <laughs> drugs that we can we can well well it's 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 triggered by other drugs or whatever but it's it creates this kind of excitement uh, and a rush of you know of excitement for for things that we are doing it's an instant reward so we have to be very careful about that and the problem is that if you do, if you mix that with money it's it's a very powerful drug. <laughs> It's a very powerful drug, and you have to be very cautious on that. And yeah, I think I, it'll make the world I, better. It's it's all uh, might might might. The problem is the, 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 well, it depends. What happens if imagine you have a, a little brother or a sister that spends his full day playing this kind of thing because you know once every six or seven games or matches or whatever. Uh, makes 20 bucks and what if you know he's make he's being rewarded instantly with money uh with dopamines and and it's Alex, instant reward there, there's you're seeking dopamine whether or not it has money but just you might be seeking dopamine but the, the problem is that uh, what i'm what i'm trying to say is that we have to be very cautious mm -hmm. that the things that we are creating can have an adverse reaction that have, we might not exact, be intending. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say that I have the exact opposite take on that. I think that probably the moment probably. you integrate so, the money into this dopamine world that we already live in, uh, you have uh, a real opportunity opens up for people. You yeah. have real um, 
food on people's tables because of video games that they played. Whereas before, that was not possible. Yeah, but just, what if, what if, what if you're, little, just imagine this scenario. What if your little brother spends eight hours a day instead of learning new stuff or making a living? Or he does it anyway. They do it anyway. My, my friends who play I know, Fortnite, I know, play I know, I know. Not true. No. No, Alex, 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 I think uh, in the beginning, you're absolutely right, because people's conscious level is not at that level of what you're yeah. saying. But mm -hmm. at a later stage of adoption, what I think will happen is that uh, your phone, for example, and it probably won't mm -hmm. be an iPhone, so it will be a new phone. Um, <laughs> you will be able to set a do not disturb with a price on it. So that yeah, if you yeah, do but get I'm, too much dopamine but, uh, hits, then uh, you'll be making money for that. So, yeah, so you actually have less. You have your control uh, dopamine. Everything that, I, everything that I was uh, everything that I was saying, I, I first start, started saying that this would be in the first stages. Yes, so, I, I know that with scale and if you're being rewarded for everything at any time, whatever you know, um, if, if you are being you rewarded in any way on, with right? other stuff. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're playing but a video game way, or, or learning a way is it, stuff. Could it possibly what? be worse than what we already have? We already have the dopamine problem. We already have the addiction problem. The, 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 real, the only way to kind of move that in the right direction is to make so that yeah. your dopamine is there for a real reason. Because now I can put bread on my table, you know? Or it was safer to or, or we save the poor, the, or we the save the poor is, by making it too expensive to play. Okay, so we're coming up on like the last 15 minutes of what we'll do of the broadcast. I got a question coming in okay. from uh, Periscope, and then I've got another prompt for you guys. We'll do this one kind of quickly because, Alex, you addressed this a little bit, but this is from Ruth. Mm -hmm. So do you guys worry that the surveillance state via the Internet of Things will kill people's enthusiasm for blockchain? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Uh, well, well, wouldn't we just implement, I mean, as a business, you would just want to implement solutions to those problems, you know, things that, the, that your users want so that your company can be more successful. So I don't, I don't think that that's a huge problem. I think, I think that if there is an issue of privacy, then it will be solved. I think that for certain it. users, you're going to see them shy away from any sort of additional output of data. But I think that in general, uh, you know, people are already basically inoculated to just giving up their information. So it's yeah, very... most people won't care. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's, that I don't, that I, uh, that doesn't mean that um, even if most people don't care, that doesn't mean that I think it's something that we have to uh, be supporting in any way or, or, you know, it's, all, or, it's also not, it's also not really an absolute, right? So like I, I care yeah. about some privacy, but for example, if I have a wireless camera outside my house, um, I'm actually the type of mindset where I don't care if the cops can see my cameras outside. Like, because that's a big controversy about having you know smart cameras. You know, is that the I cops agree. can cops can connect? But actually, if I if I put cameras outside my house, and I'm I'm okay with that. But I just don't I don't want you to know what's going on inside my house. So yeah. it's a certain type of privacy that I think yeah. people care about. Totally. And totally. other type other types they don't care about at all. Yeah, but I'm um, I I, I'm the, I you know the way I'm answer, um, replying to this to this uh, question is from a more general sense than yeah we from hand, uh, from handcast standpoint we will um, do everything that's in our hand to have all the uh, best privacy. Uh, that we can uh, give to our users because that's something that's very intricate into what we're doing and what we stand for. 
Um, but again, I think I'm very concerned about the misuse of blockchain technology in the coming future, especially if, you know, if we lose our freedoms, uh, Bitcoin, can, Bitcoin um, the blockchain can become our biggest enemy. So I think we have to be very aware of of what what kind of things we are building and who are we serving and how do we apply these things. If we want to sell to the, you know, the Chinese government and have mass surveillance and whatever, and we are fine because we are making money, then okay. But you know, that's not something that Handcash is interested in actually doing. I just see a market opportunity for like. Uh, you know, for for the for network companies, for consumer network companies to integrate, uh, you know, blockchain for IoT, but also just like start making uh, separate networks easier for customers to set up. So like, you know, it's common knowledge eventually in the next like ten years that like if you have uh, devices, you you know, you you run them on a different subnet. That's like common knowledge. It's not like a a esoteric tech thing that you know. Right. I think as we get older, you know, like uh, you know, society advances, the the tech literacy will go up. So I can totally see, like, you know, just things that like you know, enterprise tech people kind of know real well, just kind of getting passed down to the consumers. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think, it, but to answer that question, though, you know, it's going to make everybody think about privacy more. You know, just like make decisions about it. Any other thoughts on the uh, privacy surveillance stuff? I kind of want to go back to the dopamine thing that Alex brought up because the other the other side of the coin there is that uh, if if you're not profitable in this world where money is integrated with the data that you use online, um, then you'll just stop using it. So it it might actually lead to less dopamine addiction, less addiction to our phones because you're using your the internet for uh, productivity and in order to profit and you're no longer using it to kill time and avoid whatever thoughts in your head that you are trying bingo, to avoid. Bingo. I think there's always going to be a, I think there's always going to be a community um, of companies and service providers that are using the the web in its traditional advertising based uh, model. I think we're always going to see that. I think they're always going to be preying on um, some portion of the population in terms of making the exchange of free service for data. Yeah, but it's just a matter of uh, the, the the people who are getting prey, the, the prey uh, changing their behavior. It's like, hmm, do I want to use the platform that's free where everyone just goes there to avoid thinking uh, or do I want to go to the platform where I can be productive, learn new things, make money, not see ads, or uh, or opt in to see ads, whatever the case may be? But I have uh, ownership and choice there, right? It's like seems like a simple choice to me. It it does seem only, like only for like B students uh-huh. and A students though. All yeah. the other students are just going to the other place, and that's right. like eighty percent. Eighty percent of the world can't muster a B. Also, also, if you remember, guys, it, it seemed impossible for, you know, to me, it seemed impossible like 15 years ago, maybe, to actually think that people would start paying for watching movies again. I'll never, and, I'll never, I'll never pay for that. 
<laughs> but no, but but no. But we can talk about this can... for another hour. I'll never. I'll never. No, you will. You would. You would pay. No, no. Here's what happens. Could, Literally, I steal it. <laughs> no, no, no. I steal it, and if I like it, I might buy the DVD. But I'm not going to pay you first to see some crappy movie. I don't know. I, I used to do that as when, when, when I was broke. Man with integrity. Streamanity is a good solution there. And I, and if it's I, good, I I'll pay. That, like, if, if I'm stealing a it's pay-per-view UFC fight, if I'm, if I'm streaming a pay-per-view UFC fight, I would gladly pay 10 bucks to watch that fight. But I don't want to pay. Live events are different. Live, live events are different. For sure. I agree. No, They're but nowadays, what, what I'm saying is that uh, I... I rem- I remember that at least was the the status quo here in Spain was that you know we all downloaded our music for free from through torrent or whatever and you put it on Plex and you share it with your friends yeah uh, emule and all this stuff and uh, yeah and and it seemed impossible to compete with something that was free but then you see that people are using. Uh, Spotify and Netflix and Amazon Prime, and you know, it's just a matter of packaging it in a yeah, the made, free in a way that makes sense. Failed. Oh my God! No yeah. way! The, the 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 companies that weren't making any money failed in the long term. Yeah, of course. Like you're gonna have yeah. to pay for shit that you use. You just are. Yeah. It's like not surprising to me at all that uh, Napster and people stopped using torrents and stuff in favor of Spotify. It's it's a matter of. You know, businesses providing a service that yeah. uh, allows for a convenience that you can only get when you pay for something. It's just yeah. that's just the and, case. And if you don't have any money behind development and and, and actually making it exactly. better, and uh, then you're not if you're not investing in innovation and 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 the future of your company long term. Uh, How can you if your company doesn't make any money? Exactly. Like, oh, exactly. So, oh but that's speaking to that, that Randy, a, let's go into this last. Speaking of that, here, wait, let me let, let me say one last thing. <laughs> go ahead. Let me say one last thing. Uh, regarding that, one of the cool things about Bitcoin is that now these kind of what um, previously would be open source free uh, software, you can add a um, a time. Um, a counter to it and you know start making money or just charge a few cents for every transaction or for every so you're saying yeah. Yeah. every time start charging. yeah yep no harry and i are working we want. crazy <laughs> no we want because we have money <laughs> okay well yep. that's for now uh yeah, let's get to this last piece here uh what we want to address i think considering that we have uh, two competing software products in Handcash and Relay. What are your thoughts on the recent acquisition of Money Button? And obviously, you know, Randy, you're working on a project, uh, you know, where you're you're integrating very heavily with Money Button, uh, what is now Fabric. So feel free to chime in once these guys have. Well, I, some I know that Jack posted some really spicy twitches about this, so let's let Jack go first. <laughs> No, then you guys will just uh, uh, agree with me. So you go first, so I can talk after. Well, then that leaves Alex. Yeah, okay, we'll start. Um, I don't know all the details about the the acquisition. I know that uh, maybe this allows them to, well, a few things. You know, I guess they they got rid of uh, Jihan's shares, and that's that's kind of cool for them. And it, and also they are integrating into a vertical that can provide them with 
token solutions and it's a bigger company and they're focused on other stuff. I think it's potentially great for Money Button. Uh, the only worry that I would have had if I were Ryan in that position, but I'm guessing that if he made the deal is because he he he's okay with the situation, is that, uh, you know, the bigger the company gets or the more interest that, you know, the more parties that you enter in your company and then from CEO you become CTO or whatever, I would just be worried that development would be a little bit slower, would can potentially get slower, and that you can potentially, you know, not being aligned with this other company about the, the product, and that might affect, I don't know, that could potentially affect money button in the long term or in development or whatever, or could become something else. I don't know, but... I think that if if they pull the, um, the trigger on this deal is because uh, all parties involved think it's great for them, and I, you know, I applaud them, and I think it's it should be great for them, and if it's great for them, it's potentially good for the ecosystem too, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what their focus is uh, with this with this acquisition. Are they going to continue? Is is the money button team going to continue to focus specifically on money button? Or are they? Or BSD, are they, I don't know. Maybe by extension. I don't know. Are they, are they moving their time over to Fabric and their efforts over to Fabric? I I do know this. I know that Money Button has a really good team. I know that their mm-hmm. designer is yeah. very experienced and talented. I know that their their uh, developer, their main developer guy, is really talented. Um, I don't know where uh, Fabric is going to spend their time. Um, so I just. I can't really answer this question other than our experience with money button has been, we haven't been able to get in touch with them since before the fabric acquisition. And we're still not able to get in touch with them after the fabric acquisition. So it hasn't, uh, it hasn't Mm. changed anything with our relationship, which has kind of been quiet. Is Twitch still using money button? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. Well, I think that's So Twitch uses three wallets right now, right? Twitch uses Relay and Money Button currently. And no Dot Wallet? Oh, and Dot Wallet. Okay. Okay. All right. Jack, did you have some additional thoughts on that? Yeah. uh, Having been um, in crypto or this Bitcoin space for many, many years, I think you've seen a lot of incredible products built by very small teams. And I would count Money Button as one of them. We haven't seen very many successful acquisitions by a bigger company. Um, obviously, I was part of a major one, maybe the biggest acquisition in this uh, Bitcoin history, which was Circle buying Poloniex. And at the time they bought Poloniex, it was a $400 million deal. And at the time, it was the largest Bitcoin exchange certainly at the time that they started looking into it. And you would have thought that the synergies would have been stronger than they turned out to be, with Circle obviously being highly regulated, fully licensed in the United States, Poloniex being more of a um, initial bootstrap exchange. You thought there were some synergies there with adding fiat and things like that. Uh, but obviously, the competitive landscape on exchanges went completely different direction with Binance and other FTX emerging. So I think my view is that um, if Fabric has a great plan, I think they could have executed that without Money Button. If Money Button wanted tokens, they probably could have executed that without Fabric. 
So I think it the, the challenge is on them to prove what is the exact super synergy, if you are bullish on this acquisition, that really requires the two of them to link up. Um, because the Bitcoin stuff is that, you know, Twesh does not need to acquire Relay to be symbiotic partners. Neither does Relay need to uh, acquire uh, Streamanity even. That was more of a bailout because the, the exchange was going to fold. I mean, the, the platform was going to fold. Um, so I think that that's where my concern is. And I also think it's a loss to lose Ryan as a sole decision maker. I think if you look at what Ryan did, uh, he was very uh, he was very early uh, early to a lot of this stuff in Bitcoin, including yours.org, including Money Button. So I would have loved to see Ryan continue to you know just give Ryan more resources. If he if it seems too small, then hopefully Ryan acquires another company or uh, hires more people and raises more money, etc. To the extent that this gets rid of Jihan, I mean, who cares? Yeah, I totally agree there, Jack. I, I have also seen acquisitions in this space firsthand, and I've never seen them go uh, in the bullish direction. So we'll see. We'll see. Are you worried about what that could mean for what you've built with Twitch based on Money Button? Well, no, I just think that there's a market opportunity for another wallet to come in and take that position. I think that there's a huge opportunity for another wallet to come in and really make money, too. I don't know why all you got wallet guys are anti-fees, uh, but I would like my wallet provider to make money so that I can establish a long-term relationship with them where I'm not afraid that they're going to run out of money and be uh, another, you know, kind of uh, scramble to, to fix yeah. the problem. Well, what you, is Twitch well, you're, <laughs> you're going to pay us a monthly fee, so... Well, that's yet to be seen, Alex. I, I think we we, I mean, we really would like to get those uh, user numbers before we decide whether or not our business is going to make a decision around that. But I, I'm not even in a position to make that decision. So, yeah. I think the, the other thing that we took away from that acquisition is um, that's what made us also want to open source Relay. Uh, the, the wallet underneath so that if something happened to our company, if we decided we wanted to uh, pursue ac academia or whatever it is, then uh, our user base would not be affected as much. Because I think it's, a, it's not just a loss for money button. It would be a loss for the ecosystem if their development slowed down, right. which I don't know anything about whether it will or not, because there's so much of the infrastructure built on top of money button. I don't think the solution to that is well, let's just go build on top of Relay instead, or let's go build on top of Handcash instead, because fundamentally the same thing could happen to our companies. So for the space to grow in a lot more, um, uh, it's an uninterrupted manner, I think we need a better, more open wall infrastructure for sure. I agree with that. I like uh, the sentiment in general. Well, uh, yeah. I like to say real quick, uh, yeah, I actually ahead. use all these, uh, all your products. So thanks for making products. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think, I think everybody probably, uh, that hangs out on party line is pretty actively exploring, um, you know, all the different stuff that you guys are doing, whether it is, um, you know, relay float, 
uh, Stramanity or Handcash and, and looking for what Handcash Connect is, is going to offer. And obviously, you know, we're all on Twitch as well and, and checking that out. And, um, you know, is there an opportunity for Twitch Pay to be a, a wallet or to become a bridge to, to other things? Um, I don't know if that is part of the vision with the um, SDK or anything, but um... we really want to innovate, you know, and uh, we want to focus on figuring out more ways to give our users more control over the stuff that they put online and make, have them have more opportunity to make more money. That's our number one, a priority number one. Um, if wallet providers can provide a service that we that is optimal for our experience, that is the best case scenario. Um, but we will build a wallet if we have to. That's what we've always said, and we stick to that to that uh, statement. Sure. There's probably a benefit in being vertically integrated as well, right? Like I think that's what Fabric's thought process is as well with Moneybun. Uh, it has its upsides and downsides. All right. And I would say, you know, maybe revisit some of the chat on Periscope for some perspective on uh, what people might perceive as downsides on that. Right, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, at any rate, you know, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us today. I know it is very late uh, where you're at, Jack, so thanks a lot. Uh, great to be on. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, and uh, Alex, I, I assume it's getting pretty late out by you as well um you know again thanks for, fine. thanks for coming on today and um go back well, thank to you Shaw for inviting wars. me yeah absolutely go to go to Shaw wars and vote for these guys uh you can use bitcoin sv to uh support who you think has a good good point while it was going on or after the fact you can just pump up the value of your uh, favorite cheerleader, whichever, whichever one you <laughs> like. Graphics by uh, Matto Blasto today. Uh, obviously, hey, thanks for. I love my my avatar. <laughs> it's great. Well, in I'm, fact, I'm using now in Slack. Oh, see, perfect. So you know the the culture extends. <laughs> Randy, thanks for coming on cool. today. It's been a while. I think it was like a year since we had you hanging out. Um, yeah, well, last time we saw each other was in New York, right? Well, I mean, in person, but um, last time you were on Party Line, I think, was like a year ago. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, this was a fun chat. I, I kind of just stumbled on it on Twitch, and then I was like, oh, shit, I should hang out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do the other guys want to sign off and say anything? Let her hang uh, out. Uh, Alex and Jack for coming on. It was cool to hear hear them talk about their. Well, one last thing: what, what is everybody is everybody bullish or bearish on BSV price in the next? I don't know, four months. Oh, bearish, bearish. <laughs> Who said bearish? On stimulus. I I'll, said it. I'll say bullish. Alex. <laughs> oh, Alex says. Bearish. I thought I thought Connect is going to double the price. <laughs> I think right. the stimulus from most countries should point to bullish. Yeah, I think uh, we're about to see a boom in BTC yeah. and BSV. Yeah, yeah I, uh, that's what I think. Two point two trillion in stimulus does that. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
All right. Well, thank well, you so I, much I have, for joining us. I have us a view on that, actually. Fox. We will talk um, with you. If you look too at the long. fact that um, BTC doesn't do anything, but <laughs> it's rallied during the entire time that Ethereum and other blockchains have rallied, it's more like uh, those chains became a scaling solution for Bitcoin, right? So BTC remained as status as digital gold to the extent that it cannot be transacted and it cannot be smart contracted. They solved that by wrapping BTC on the Ethereum network. And so what I think will happen is that if BSV takes over the token from uh, business from the other blockchains, the two chains that benefits is obviously BTC, uh, BSV itself. But I think BTC also benefits because they still have their uh, CME integration. They still have their Robinhood. They still have all these uh, PayPal, Square right. Cash, etc. And to the extent that you need to transact BTC, you might just tokenize BTC on BSV. And it might take a lot many more years for people to just be like, well, let's forget about BTC itself. So if BSV is able to tokenize and take that token boom, I think it'll be a relatively price bearish moment for the other non-BTC chains while BTC and BSV benefit. Perfectly reasonable perspective. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, We're going to sign off. This will be the end of it, but <laughs> you don't have to stop talking. We're just going to end the stream. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we'll talk to you before too long on Party Line Chat.